today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Don't you realize that there's sometimes that God does stuff in our in our lives that we don't understand? And we think, that's not a very good move. But I believe that we need to learn to trust Him to say that God is in charge. And again, He's going to work all things together, what church? For good, for good. To those that love Him, for those that are called according to His purposes. Sometimes it's easy to get bummed out about what God is doing, especially when we don't understand the full story. And that's why we have to be those that just simply say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm completely surrendered to you. And Philip shows himself that he's faithful to the Lord. God's Spirit was alive and active in the early church in Jerusalem. His apostles were bringing new believers to faith. They were doing good work and serving God's people there. Yet, as Pastor David points out today, this is the point at which God called his servants to scatter to other nations. It didn't make sense, but ultimately God's plan was far bigger and more exciting than any of his disciples could understand. His word spread and his name was proclaimed as believers trusted his call and followed in faith. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 8 as he begins his message, God's Word on the Move, Samaria. Take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8. Stephen was one of the uh, seven servants that uh, God had called to put in place, and we read about him in earlier chapters of the book of Acts. Remember, those that needed to go and help out with the disbursement of resources, not only to the widows that were in need, but also to the rest of the church, I believe, that was in need. There were resources that were coming into the church that needed to be dispersed. The apostles needed to put their time into, again, the, the preparation and the study and the preaching of the word and to prayer. And so they had appointed these seven men to be over that disbursement of the resources. Stephen was one of those. It was during this time also that uh, Stephen was martyred for his faith. And at the martyrdom of Stephen, persecution began to ramp up for the church as a whole there in Jerusalem. Because of that persecution, many left Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 8, we see there in verse 1, a portion of that verse says that they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Now, when we go down to verse 4, we realize that this persecution, these trials that were coming on the church, actually ended up being a blessing for the kingdom of God. So you got all this difficulty time that the church is going through, this great press, this harshness that's happening, and yet it becomes a real blessing for the kingdom of God. Look what it says there in verse four. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere doing what, church? Preaching, Preaching the word. As I shared with you last time, uh, that that the enemy had intended for evil, once again, 
God is using that to bring it about for good. The message of the gospel was being spread now outside of Jerusalem. The church had become witnesses just as Jesus had prophesied to them in the first chapter of Acts. You're going to be a witness for me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria to the uttermost parts of the world. And how that was happening now is actually through the persecution that's driving the Christians out of Jerusalem into those uttermost parts of the world. Luke now writes to give us the next step in God's plan. The action actually of another one of the seven servants, a fellow by the name of Philip. Look with me if you would there in verse four and in following. Acts chapter eight, verse four. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. Now, as we get into this, you need to look at it, probably be best to look at it at a couple of different vantage points. Number one, Philip had been a part of the church there in Jerusalem. He'd been an active part, and Jerusalem at that point in time, well, just prior to the persecution, it had been great. They'd seen the power of God working in mighty and powerful ways. People were getting healed. People were getting delivered. Thousands were coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and Philip was a part of that. He was an active participant in what God was doing in that city. What an awesome opportunity that he had there involved in the active work of what God is doing. Philip wasn't a bystander. He wasn't someone that was just sitting by watching everything happen. He was using his gifts. He was using his talents for the Lord. And God put him in actually a servant's ministry, something that you and I would think of, well, that's such a low thing. But Philip had taken that position of serving tables, of assisting and dispersing the goods. Nothing that would really stand out, nothing that would get his name in the bulletin, nothing that people would really recognize other than he is a servant of God for the people of God. He had remained faithful in that call, in the little things, and because he was faithful in the little things, God was about to turn this around and make him responsible for greater things. The Lord, this is the second point, the Lord moved him to that region of Samaria. Now, as the persecution intensified, Philip, like many of the others of the church, they were forced out and forced to move away from the area of Jerusalem. And it probably didn't seem like a really good idea at the time. But God, you're moving here over in this place. But now I've got to move over here to this place. Don't you realize that there's sometimes that God does stuff in our, in our lives that we don't understand, and we think, that's not a very good move. But I believe that we need to learn to trust him to say that God is in charge, and again, he's going to work all things together, what church? 
for good, for good. To those that love him, for those that are called according to his purposes. Sometimes it's easy to get bummed out about what God is doing, especially when we don't understand the full story. And that's why we have to be those that just simply say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm completely surrendered to you. And Philip shows himself that he's faithful to the Lord. He's faithful not only in following what the Lord is doing, but he's faithful in the witness of his life wherever he goes. Look what it said there in verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and what did he do? He moaned and groaned and pity partied because he had to leave the great happenings that were happening in Jerusalem. No, that's not what it says. He preached Christ to them. He continued on in the faithfulness of his love for the Lord and demonstrating and speaking of Christ wherever he went. So Philip was faithful in the work God was calling. And because of that, we see the evidence of this coming really quickly. Look what it says in verse 6. The multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. I think it's pretty clear here that many were coming to faith in Jesus Christ. They were heeding the words of Philip as he continued to preach the word, as he continued to proclaim Christ to them. And as they were coming to faith in Jesus, we're going to read in a moment, they were also faithful to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. The very fact that Philip went to Samaria is interesting. All through New Testament times, we realize that the people in Samaria were, were, were looked down upon by the Jews because they were, in essence, a, a mixture of Gentile and Jews. They weren't a pure Jew like, again, those that could trace their family roots on both sides all the way back down to the sons of Jacob. The Jews avoided Samaria every chance that they could get. And we don't know what city it was that Philip went into, but we do see the great results of the preaching of the gospel to those that are there in that city. And one of those that heard the message, one of those that at least received it to, to a, a portion was a man by the name of Simon. We know of him as Simon the magician or Simon the sorcerer. Look what it says in verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed, when the people of Samaria, when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And when Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. I'm going to stop right here and actually take some time with Simon. Simon was a man who wanted power. He wanted recognition. He wanted notoriety. We see this by what he was before, and even we'll see further in this passage. 
He was a man that desired power so much that he had willingly gone into sorcery, into demonic activity. He was opening himself up to these things in order to be able to impress the people that were around him. Now, we don't know for certain all that Simon did, what kind of tricks or amazing things that he he did for the people that got their attention, but we do know that the word simply tells us there in those verses, he had previously practiced sorcery, He astonished the people of Samaria, claiming he was someone great. They all gave heed, saying, this man is the great power of God. And because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. Some sort of power, demonic at its very core. And yet it seems as though the Spirit of God was now going to break through all of this into Simon's life. The unfortunate thing is we're going to see that the influence of power and authority remained in Simon's heart. We'll look at that in a moment. But here Luke tells us that that once Simon heard the gospel message, once he saw many people coming to faith in Jesus and being baptized, that Simon himself believed also and was baptized. Verse 11, Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. I have no doubt that Simon was amazed by what was going on. These miracles that were happening, people being delivered from demonic possession, people who were lame, people who were paralyzed, again, coming to full use now of their bodies. Absolutely amazed. I have no doubt that Simon was impressed by all of that. I have no doubt that he was astonished to see that as these people came to Jesus, as they were baptized, as they were released, as they were set free, that joy filled their lives. And I have no doubt that Simon was seeing the real power of God at work. And as Simon began to walk with Philip, and as he saw the power of God through these miracles and through these signs, Simon would have quickly seen that the power of the Holy Spirit in Philip's life and in the work that was being done there among the people was much, much stronger than anything he had ever had from his demonic, from his occultic practices. He could see, man, that is much more powerful than what I had in my life. God was moving in that village and nothing else could even begin to compare to the power of God in these people's lives. Remember, Simon had had power before. Simon had had authority before. People were were amazed at what Simon was able to do. At one point, they were saying, this man is the great power of God. But now, not only do these people see the real power of God, and I believe something in Simon's heart clicked. I want to have some of that power. I want to have that power in my life. And you would think that would be a good thing, but the problem is I believe that Simon's motive was totally incorrect. I think that it's pretty evident that Simon, quote unquote, you know the air quotes, he believed. And he was baptized. But I believe that all of this went about simply because he wanted the power that he saw demonstrated through Philip. 
When we say that Simon believed, the question is, is, did he really believe unto salvation? And that's the hard question, and we're going to look at that again in just a moment. Once the church leaders in Jerusalem heard that there were Samaritans who were coming to faith in Jesus Christ, those up in Jerusalem, they had to come down and check this out. They had to investigate what's going on. Let's continue on. Let's look at verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now we need to pause and, and, and take a little bit of explanation here. This event in Samaria was long before uh, the Apostle Paul's conversion and, and much longer than that before Paul started ministering to the Gentiles. These Samaritans, they had been hated for generations by the Jews. And now you're telling me they're becoming Christians. What do I do with that? These people that I didn't believe that God, that God even cared about now, not only are they, am I learning that God's love for them is true, but they're becoming Christians. That was something that now the church in Jerusalem had to go and investigate. They sent Peter and John down there to find out what's taking place. Now, another thing that you and I need to understand is that the actions, the activities of what's going on in Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 10, you need to understand this is a time of the birth of the church. It's a time of beginning. It's a time of transitions. The message of the gospel and the kingdom of God was moving strategically according to God's plan as it went from the Jews, then to the Samaritans, and then to the Gentiles on throughout the whole world. But we need to see, we need to understand that many, not all of them, but many of these events, many of these activities that happened in these times of beginnings weren't the standard. They weren't going to be happening that way all the time. Many, not all, but many of these actions, even the actions of how the Holy Spirit is ministering at this point here in the church, it's transitional, it's temporary. We need to be careful if we take, uh, again, take and, and place our doctrine, place our church practices on all that we see in Acts chapter 1 through 10. When Peter and John came down to Samaria, they came to a people who had previously been separated from the Jews, separated again from the kingdom of God. They were separated from God and what God was doing in the church. The gospel went out to the Jew first. Paul makes that really clear in the book of Romans. He said to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. So God had been doing this work in the church there in Jerusalem, and now it's beginning to spread out. These here in Samaria, they had believed, they had been baptized, but they had not received the Holy Spirit. Later in uh, chapter 10 of the book of Acts, Peter is speaking to the house of Cornelius. 
and when Cornelius is a Gentile. And even while Peter is speaking to the people there in Cornelius' house, they believed and the Holy Spirit came upon them, but he came upon them prior to their being baptized and Peter did not lay his hands on anyone at that point. He was simply preaching the word and the Holy Spirit came down upon them. So for Cornelius, we see different happenings than what we see in Samaria. In Samaria, we see different happenings than what we saw in Jerusalem. So we need to be careful about setting doctrine, setting practice on everything that we see in Acts chapter 1 through 10. Too many times the Spirit of God is working in a different order, a different direction than what we might expect. So now let's get back to Acts 8 and look at verse 17. When they, that's Peter and John, laid hands on them, that's the new believers in Samaria, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. I don't think you have to have the gift of discernment to realize that Simon's heart is a little out of whack at this point. Uh, I don't think there's any, any real depth of understanding. You realize, no, this guy wants to pay to have power. And he sees a power much greater than anything that he's done, and he's willing to pay for it. That's probably how he obtained his abilities in sorcery and in magic. He probably paid somebody years ago to teach him the dark arts, the black magic, the, the sorcery, he, when he opened himself up to all this demonic opportunity. Now he thought he could pay the apostles to be trained or to receive the power of God so that I believe he could impress people once again before people had hailed him as the great power of God. But now... The people, they received the gospel. Now they had been impacted by the power of God. They turned away from Simon's black magic. They turned away from his sorcery. They turned away from his occult activities in order to be able to worship the one true God of the universe. They surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. They were no longer impressed by the parlor tricks or the demonic deeds that were empowered by darkness. And beloved, I believe that Simon missed that attention. He had been somebody before. And now, as God moves in on the scene, he wasn't. We quickly understand Simon's heart hadn't been humbled at all. He hadn't been humbled before God. He hadn't been humbled before the people. He might have said a few words in his belief. He might have been baptized with water, as the scripture says. But now, I believe that by his words and by his very actions, he shows that there's something darker and something deeper that's still controlling his life. When he saw lives changed by the power of the gospel, it's interesting as we read this, he, he didn't ask, well, how can I share that message of the gospel? Teach me to witness or to share the message of the gospel so that people's lives could be changed. No, he wanted the supernatural power. He wanted to do signs and wonders. He wanted to impress people with what he was able to do. He saw that power not to change lives, but to make himself out to be something 
that he definitely wasn't. Isn't that the problem that they had earlier on with a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira? They wanted people to think that they were something when they really weren't all that they were pretending to be. What did God do with Ananias and Sapphira? Boom, they were gone. They, they died on the spot. Even as Peter, once again, it was Peter that talked to him, let's put in your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, boom, they're dead. Thank you for joining us today on The Open Word. Acts is such an interesting book about the early church and how people engaged with their newfound faith and then spread that good news to their region and the entire world. If you're new to the Bible and are unsure what this newfound faith is, you can learn more about a man named Jesus who came to save you. He came as the Son of God to save you from your sins. These early disciples in the book of Acts were elated to share with everyone what Jesus had done for each of them. They wanted others to know that kind of love, too. If you want to understand this more fully, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we're here for you and we're praying for you. If you have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church and begin attending regularly. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and we meet every Saturday at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You're welcome to join us for a time of worship and Bible study and a time to get to know other believers and find support. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. You can also find out more about The Open Word and listen to additional messages by visiting theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Open Word. The Open Word.